I want to encourage everybody in here to go with the things God's called you to do because there are things I believe that have lied dormant for years that you've just kind of pushed to one side because it's just too scary to face because you don't think you can do it. I am telling you, you can do it. If I can stand up here and do this, you can do it, whatever it is. So I want to encourage you today. And throughout everything I'm talking about today, what I believe God wants you to picture today is just taking hold of his hand. Just keep that in mind the whole time I'm talking today, that God is just saying, take hold of my hand, because some of us have let go and we're struggling. So I just want you to bear that in mind. So um, if I was going to give today a, a title, it would be Denying Self. Sounds like quite a heavy topic, doesn't it? But um, if we could just have that first slide up. Today has actually been inspired by a quote by the very funny Spike Milligan, who said, I'm not afraid of dying. I just don't want to be there when it happens. <laughs> so uh, at work, we, we send each other silly quotes and puns and things to get us through the day. And when I read this, something just went off inside of me. I mean, the Holy Spirit can use anything. And that is how this whole journey started of talking about denying self. I just read that and I thought, wow. You know, we've given our lives to the Lord, a lot of us. We made that decision. You know, we want to follow him. You know, and we, we want that eternal destiny in him. But it's that daily outworking of it, that denying yourself, that putting him first, putting others first. And sometimes we don't want to be in that process. And sometimes we're really stuck. And it really fits with, with what Jimmy was saying as well, because we're on this path and there's things that are hindering us. But they're not as big as you think. And what Rob was saying about Pilgrim's Progress, I don't know how many of you have heard my dad quote Pilgrim's Progress over the years. It's a real favourite of his. He mentions it at least once every week in small group. And um, I tried to read it, couldn't really get into it. So Sue Payet told me there was a Blue Peter version of the book, so I've just bought it, so I'm going to try and get through it. But that is what we're talking about, is that, that progress, how we, how we move forward. Because I believe that we're often living a very mediocre, barely there Christian life, sometimes doing the bare minimum. And sometimes we want the life and the resources of God on tap, but we're not prepared to submit. And it, it sounds hard, but I don't believe it's as hard as we think. So that, that phrase, dying to self, actually isn't found in the Bible, but there's lots of verses about self-denial, the death of the flesh. The Apostle Paul said of himself, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And we know at the moment of salvation, the old person who we once were dies. We become a new creation. And at that point, we also invite the Holy Spirit often to come into our lives. And we are in Christ, which is a wonderful, wonderful thing. But that self-denial, that's the continual denial of the flesh that occurs over your lifetime. And continual agreement with the Holy Spirit, that is really key. Agreement with the Holy Spirit. We just put that next. So Jesus described denying self as part of following him. And this is our key verse for today. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. He then went on to say, dying to self is actually a positive. It's not a negative. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. He also says, 
In Galatians 5.22, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. So denying self, what does that require us to do? It requires us to give up anything that we would seek that hinders us doing the will of God. And there are so many things. We could stop there and just list for the rest of the morning the things that we struggle to give up. So, so many things. And it's not wrong to have things, but when our wants and desires take over what God wants and desires for our lives, that's when that becomes tricky because he wants us daily, and that's such an important word, daily to give up that cross. But what does it mean, taking up your cross? Have you ever heard anyone say, oh, well, we've all got our cross to bear? A lady said it in work this week, and it did amuse me because she was talking about her husband. <laughs> and she, she, she says something negative about him every week. I mean, she, she just doesn't like him at all, really. And she just said, oh, well, we've all got our cross to bear. We've probably said it ourselves. And so we have that picture of the cross of Jesus and the burden of carrying that cross. I mean, if you just picture that, it's just such a horrific scene, the pain and the agony he was in. It's that, that's how we picture it. But sometimes the picture for us stops there. But what is, this, what is that cross? What does it symbolize? Yes, he was carrying that burden and he was going to the cross to die. Talk about ultimate self-denial. I mean, absolutely amazing. But that's what that means. It's total sacrifice. He bore that cross. He knew he was going to die. But he also knew the joy that was ahead of him. And, you know, we've got to kind of keep following that process through and not stop at that point. Yes, we do bear burdens, absolutely, but it's deeper than that. It's a total dedication of life that leads us to willingly deny self. Because I think as well, it just all sounds too hard, too painful, too difficult, too unachievable. And I believe that the devil would have us believe that, that this isn't possible, this isn't doable. And yet, the Holy Spirit resides in us to give us the power. Step by step, we're moving forward. Little by little, we're taking ground. And that is so, so true. Now, don't we just love the word daily? That changes everything, doesn't it? Take up your cross daily. I used to think that sounded really depressing, to be honest. Take, oh, great, yeah, take up my heavy burden every day. Isn't it great being a Christian? I've thought like that. I honestly have. And we're missing the point absolutely missing the point. Taking up your cross daily means submitting to the will of God. And I absolutely love that testimony. Where, where's Alan gone? Is he still here? Ah, hello. <laughs> what a wonderful testimony. Okay, Lord, where are we going today? That, that is uh, an example of denying self because often, you know, when you get up, you're just thinking about your own agenda and what you've got to do. That's just a wonderful, wonderful example. And how amazing that God just leads us to those people. Losing our life for Jesus. Sometimes we hold things so, so close because, you know, it, we're scared. But what God's asking us to do is take hold of his hand yet again and partner with him, partner with the Holy Spirit. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Where are we going? What are we doing today? Just a wonderful, wonderful thing. I've only got four slides, not death by PowerPoint today. Do that a lot of work and you're like, 
In death, Jesus fully surrendered his will to the will of the Father. In, in death, he gave up his self. With its natural reluctance to drink the cup, he gave up his life. You know, what strikes me in this when you read with his natural reluctance to drink the cup, if this cup can pass me by, I was kind of praying that, if this teaching cup can pass me by, that'd be great, Lord, because, you know, this is scary. But what struck me is the fact that he understands. He understands what it's like to face things and to not be all that keen on it. I mean, he knows our weaknesses. He knows how we're feeling. That's how wonderful a savior and a friend he is. He knows exactly what it means to us. He knows what it means for me to stand up here. He knows what it means when you give up that part of yourself and you say, not my will, but yours. He, he understands. I think that's a wonderful, wonderful thing because that makes it so personal and he's such a personal God. I just think he's wonderful. So what does uh, denying ourselves look like? Let's just have a think about that. So this is not an exhaustive list, because again, I could go on all day. So it's yielding our will to God and adopting his perspective. Put your hands up if you can think of a time where you've really understood God's perspective on something and it's changed everything. Sure, yeah, I don't, everybody can think of a time. You know, sometimes we yield our will to God because we just don't know what to pray anymore for our families or friends or people going through things or we're struggling with unforgiveness or whatever it is and then we get his perspective and he calls us to do something and it changes us and it changes people around us. Self is no longer the reason for our existence. That's a good one. We're no longer concerned with our own will and happiness. We're no longer the center of our own universe. We understand that God created us for a reason. We want to partner with God to accomplish his purposes on earth. We have a love and compassion for others that goes above and beyond. Man, I've really, I've really noticed that. When I'm really aware of the presence of God, I have a totally different heart towards people. We've been on a parenting course the last three Wednesdays, therapeutic parenting. Uh, actually been fantastic, absolutely amazing. But the heart that God gave me for some of the parents there, rather than just think, oh, you know, all the things that we've struggled with. The first week we were there, there were some really broken people there. And there, there was a dad in particular. All we were doing was just introducing ourselves. That, that's as far as we'd got, just, you know, who we were. And this man was just broken. And he just said to this whole, I can't cope anymore dealing with, with violence in the home from his adoptive sons. Oh, my heart just went out to this man. Oh, just, I was just sort of praying, Lord, help us make a connection. And um, the next two weeks we were sat on the table with this couple and now we've um, swapped numbers and I really feel God's going to use us to support this family. And um, there was another late where his wife was talking an awful lot. Now, normally I'd probably be thinking, oh, no, it's one of those that goes on. But, you know, God really showed me, and just the Holy Spirit said, she's been waiting to talk to somebody for weeks. She's not felt able to talk. She's not been able to talk to her husband because he's barely hanging on in there. And so she hadn't felt that she could kind of share everything, share her heart with him because he was just a broken man. And the Holy Spirit just showed me. So I was able to just, just sit and just let her speak. But, you know, if, if we're more interested in ourselves and our own comfort or what we need in that moment, then we can miss those moments where 
people really need us or we need to hear from the Holy Spirit for somebody so that we can help them, be there for them. I believe there's a peace and an abounding joy that comes when we deny self. We don't, we don't associate denying self with joy a lot of the time. We associate it with having to give good stuff up, maybe be bored. That's the truth of it sometimes, but that is not the case. There is such a joy that comes when the Holy Spirit is moving and working through you and in you. And when somebody responds, it's just, it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. So that's a bit of what, what self-denial looks like. Does that sound good? <laughs> that was, does that sound good? <laughs> Resounding. Okay. This is the bit I really wanted to focus on, and this is what I've been pondering on a lot, is some of the things that hinder us from doing this and what, it, what we struggle with. So the first one is this. We compare ourselves to other people. And I'm not just talking about comparing ourselves with um, other Christians, which we do. We look and think, well, I could never do that. Well, there's no point me moving in that gift. So-and-so is already doing that. They don't need anybody else. We know that happens. But sometimes we compare ourselves with friends of ours who aren't churchgoers because they seem to have a lot more time to do stuff than we do and we can become a little bit resentful sometimes of our, of our church because they seem to have it all going on. You know, I've got friends who have got abundant finances, seem really happy in life got good jobs, kids are healthy, no major problems, great house, always getting an extension, always going on holiday. Sometimes you think, oh, okay. You know, let, let's be honest about things. Sometimes we look and that hinders us. That hinders us because we're look, too busy looking at what other people have got and then comparing that with what we have or haven't. This is a biggie. We are falling for the lie that the Christian life is mundane. We forget about the extraordinary in the ordinary. This is really key. I think sometimes people are feeling disappointed because maybe many years ago you had visions that you were going to have a huge ministry or travel the world or do all these things and maybe it hasn't worked out that way. But I think we have to be really careful and I was really struck by this when I was used to work with the youth and thinking we've got to stop telling our youth and young people that they're going to be the next world evangelist or travel the world or all these things. Yes, they could do that. But actually, I believe we should be teaching them about how the extraordinary operates in the ordinary day-to-day. Because -day, most of us are going to have fairly day-to-day -day lives. We're going to go to work nine to five. We're going to be raising children. And I sometimes believe we set people up to fail when we give them that idea that they're going to have this huge ministry, that they're going to be this. And we, we, you know, we get the children singing all these songs, they're world shakers, they're this, that, and the other. Yes, they might, but I, I genuinely believe for all of us, we need to remember the extraordinary and the ordinary because then we'll stop thinking that life's a bit boring. We're kind of missing the point. This is a day-to-day -day journey with the Holy Spirit, day-to-day -day promptings of the Holy Spirit, and there isn't anything any more exciting than that. And we know that. We can witness to that because we've all got testimonies of times where we've been prompted by the Spirit and we've moved in that. And I was so challenged because I was thinking about, you know, what examples have I got in my life where I've really denied self and been prompted by the Holy Spirit? And the first story that came to mind happened 20 years ago. Not last week, 20 years ago I was thinking 
about when we'd saved up some money. We saved up a thousand pounds. We were going to put it towards a car. And God told us to buy a car for somebody else with it. <laughs> but do you know what? It was a joy. I will never forget. This is a couple who'd come from Estonia to work with our church for the year. They'd come out of relative poverty and um, they were just coming to work with us. And I will never, ever forget the look on Aino's face as he drove into the drive with a new car. So we waited with his wife for him to go and get this car. And that, that sticks with me. But that was 20 years ago. Where are my stories of last week, last month, last year? You know, and I have been so challenged by that and thought, man, I need to get back on that path. Take his hand so he can point me in the direction of the people that need. Because I don't need a lot of the time in terms of material things. And we convince ourselves that we do. We convince ourselves I need to earn more so I can go on a better holiday. I need to extend the house. We're never satisfied. So I'm really challenged by that, the extraordinary and the ordinary. And let's start encouraging our kids. That's what I want my kids to know, how to get through the day at school and be prompted by the Holy Spirit, how to be the one that makes a difference to somebody's life on an individual basis, not constantly telling them they're going to do this, they're going to do the other. They might, and that's great, and that'll be amazing. But I just think that's really important. I think... Sometimes as well, we think that denying self means that we have to kill ourselves off. What, what I mean by that is that our self is very unique. It's who we are. Every one of us in here is so unique. We all have things about us that are very unique to us. Sometimes little odd things that we do that nobody else knows. But it's not about killing who you are, your identity, because it's a God-given identity. It's about denying your own wants and desires and putting God first and the needs of others. Does that make sense? And I think sometimes that's hindered us because we think that, you know, to give everything to God means that we won't get to do, use our talents anymore. Somebody said that to me once. Well, if I give my life to the Lord, he'll probably tell me to stop dancing. I was like, he's not going to tell you to stop dancing. If anything, he's going to use that. So, you know, whatever talents, skills, gifts you've got, God can use those. He can use them to edify yourself. He can use them to edify others. But we're not saying you've got to kill off the things that make you unique, that make you you. Because we need it. We need that uniqueness. This one really struck me. And again, I've been really challenged by this. Sometimes we think we've done our bit. We've retired. I'm done. And I've thought like that. And I'm only 46 <laughs> and three quarters. But I, I genuinely think that sometimes when we look at ministry, when we look at what we do in the church, we turn it into the world system of having a job for a certain period of time. I genuinely do. We even use the same terminology sometimes. And so we'll do particular ministry 10, 20, 30 years, and then we retire. And I think we've got it all wrong. I'm not saying this is about starting or stopping ministry there is not a day that you're on earth that God doesn't want to use you or speak to you or encourage you or move you in a certain direction. And I, I was challenged by this because I think we've mentioned before we did the children's club in Coventry. I did that for 10 years. 
Every Saturday morning, we did a kids' club. By the end of that 10 years, we had three double-decker buses, two minibuses, picking children up from all over the city, all unchurched kids. It was crazy. That was every Saturday. We had three evenings a week where we home visited every family. Every single week, come rain or shine, snow, we were out there. We would take them a colouring sheet. It was an incredible work. But rather arrogantly, when I finished that, I actually remember saying to Tino, you know, I, I feel I've done it. If I stop now and never did anything else for the Lord, you know, I feel I've, I've done enough. You know, I've probably done, the month, done more than some people do in their lifetime. How arrogant was that? That's horrendous. But that's how I felt. I got quite burnt out doing that ministry. I became a little bit unwell at the end of it. And um, I basically thought, I'll retire. And I felt that the Lord say to have a kind of a year off if you had just a year of rest but that was quite a few years ago and the truth is I retired at that point to some extent and that mentality that work mentality of a period of work then retirement let everybody else get on with it now I don't think that's right and I genuinely believe we need everybody in here I need all of you no matter what your age no matter how able you feel I need everybody in here because everybody in here has got something that's going to encourage me, going to encourage others. But we're in this together and there's a world out there and whoever we meet is going to need part of your story because there'll be something unique that you've been through that will really connect with somebody out there. You don't have to be a speaker at the front. You don't have to be this, that or the other. It's just about being available, like Alan said and the thing is, the Holy Spirit knows who those people are. So he's preparing them. He's preparing them even now. You know, and we, we get so afraid of it. But, you know, when you get a word for somebody or you just say to somebody, I'm praying for you, and you expect, oh, it's amazing the response that you get. You know, you get church groups to go out to the community and they offer free hugs. Have you heard of that? First time I heard that, I thought, oh, free hugs to straighten No, it's a bit off. It's amazing how much people love it. Because they're just not getting any hugs anywhere else. It's amazing how people respond to love. God is love. And uh, we don't give people the credit. So, nobody here is in retirement. <laughs> That's exciting. Nobody's in retirement. Amen. The other thing I was thinking about was about um, what our security lies in. Because our security can lie in government to some extent. You can feel a little bit at ease if you know there's people in charge and they know what they're doing. Until it all starts to slightly unravel. <laughs> you don't really know who's in charge. You don't think they know who's in charge. You don't know what's going on. It's quite unnerving because the whole thing could unravel even more. You know, we, we put our self into money. We do. That's our security. We have the nest egg. We have everything else. A lot of effort and time goes into building up a security for our future. Again, I'm not saying it's wrong, but if you bring the Holy Spirit in on it, he might have a better idea of how you're going to uh, manage your finances. And yes, he might call you to give something away that was a little pot that you had for this, that, or the other. That's where the faith comes in. That's where the trust comes in. And yeah, that's hard and it's costly. But if we are going to stand here in City week after week and say we are a group of people who have given our life to the Lord to follow him, if you're following somebody, then there's movement. 
there's movement all the time if you're following. Yes, there's periods of rest, but even in the rest, he's speaking, he's equipping you, he's re-strengthening you. So let's not, let's not start using phrases like, what do we say? We say, um, I've left, but I haven't arrived. You heard that one? I've said that myself. I'm on a journey. <clears throat> I, I believe sometimes we use that as an excuse to stay completely still. I honestly do. <clears throat> Excuse me. That, that is the challenge to us, because I've done that. I've left, but I haven't arrived. What I'm saying is, I'm not doing much really. I'm just going to wait here, have a rest, just for a little while. That can, that can go on for years. That's the truth of it. That rest stop can go on for years. We're seeing rest in the wrong way. We take a rest from ministry, but what that ends up being is a rest from God because we're associating God with that hard work. We've got a lot of things backwards, I believe. There is no greater rest than when you're with the Holy Spirit. And we, we've, we've experienced it. It's a wonderful, powerful, powerful thing. Have you ever heard anyone say of somebody else, oh, he's super spiritual, he's all up here somewhere. Can't even have a normal conversation. And so we're worried about being super spiritual. Oh, this sounds like we've got to be super spiritual all the time. Again, we're missing the point. We are meant to walk daily hand in hand with the Holy Spirit. That's not super spiritual. That's who we are. That should be our norm. That shouldn't be the exception or how we live a day or two days a week and then the rest of the time. Don't want to be too spiritual. Our life is hidden with Christ. When we made that decision and we gave our life to him, we were transformed. And then there's that daily outworking of that, but it's not super spiritual. And yes, you, you can be up here somewhere and use lots of jargon that people can't relate to. That's an entirely different thing. I'm just talking about walking out day by day who we are in Christ and who we're meant to be for him. quiet in here. <laughs> I haven't even looked at my notes yet. Remember how I tell you, I always end up with reams and reams of notes. I never look at them once. I might just get that. Okay, so it's, it's great to talk about all these things and we recognize some of the hindrances and things, but I very much believe in kind of Practical application, if you like, because sometimes I'll sit, you sit and you listen and you're thinking, yeah, that's great, but I haven't got a clue where to go with this. I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. And it is a step-by-step -step thing. And these are the things I really had on my heart to share. Direct your heart to God, because it will change your viewpoint. And what does that mean? How do we direct our hearts to God? It says in Proverbs, hear and be wise and direct your heart in the way. Proverbs 23, 19. I believe it's a decision to direct your heart. And it happens really quickly. So I've chosen this week while I've been in the car, particularly, just to direct my heart to God. That means I just start to think about him. I've had some worship on in the car. And very quickly... I'm in a totally different place. The presence of the Lord was so strong in the car on Thursday, I nearly had to pull over. And it was that instant. 
And you might feel like, I've never experienced the presence of the Lord, I don't know how to do that. I believe that's what happens when you direct your heart to God, because that's how close he is. We're not summoning him from afar off and trying to, Lord, we invite you here, we invite you here. He's in here. And that is how instant that presence was. Every time I directed my heart to God this week, and I was just totally lost in worship. And by the time I got to work, I just loved everybody. I did. I, I was like, I wanted to get words for everybody. And, you know, everybody's there already moaning about, you know, how much work they've got on the project and how we've missed our deadline, which we have four times. But that's another story. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of stress, a lot of stress around. But rather than getting caught up in that, in the moaning and the griping, I've just had a different heart towards things. And, you know, we've been in meetings where they've been trying to think of a solution for something, and I've been the one to come up with it. And they're not the sort of solutions I would know anything about in the natural. I wouldn't have a clue. Somebody this week mis mistook me for an IT manager. <laughs> that is one of the funniest things. If you, you ask Tino what I am like with IT, but that's the confidence the Holy Spirit gave me in this meeting this week, that I was giving these solutions. It was ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. It's only the Holy Spirit can do that. But it's, it's a conscious decision to direct your heart to God. It's something you can do. And I, I love, again, what Alan said, you know, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do with me today? Where are you going to take me? And we need, we need to do that knowing that it's not going to be mundane. We haven't retired. And that if God's calling us to do something, that's because he knows the outcome. We don't know it necessarily at that point. We hardly ever do. But he knows the outcome. So that's where that trust comes in. He knows exactly what he's leading us into. Practicing his presence, attuned to the Holy Spirit at work in the moment. Now, I started to learn a little bit of this when I was quite young. You know, I've got, there was a couple of times in school where I felt that the Holy Spirit prompted me to do something. So, so one of those occasions was when the, the school bully was really uh, having a good day. And... Um, had been awful, beaten up about three of the... But this was a girl. She'd beaten up about three of the boys in the last break. All the boys were scared of her. Uh, she was quite a character. And we went into class after another interesting break time. And we always had to sit in twos in the classroom. And uh, there was an odd number of girls. And I was sat next to another girl. And the bully said to me, can you swap with me so I can sit with her? My immediate thought was, no, you can sit on your own. But something said to me, no, do it do it so I doesn't sound like much so I swapped places I had to sit on my own for the whole lesson which is a bit depressing but from that day onwards she never did anything to me if anybody ever said it she'd like you leave her alone she became like some sort of school protector you know and that's that's just showing that little bit of kindness to somebody who doesn't deserve it does that sound familiar that's exactly what Jesus did when he died for everybody on this planet he did something for those that didn't deserve it. There was another time I had a friend in school who um, was very quiet, just didn't seem herself, didn't seem quite right. And I remember just praying. I think I had a chat with my mum about it and just praying about, you know, how I could help her because I just sensed something was, was not right and I just didn't know. You know, I used to sit by her in just one lesson. And... Um, Eventually, she disclosed to me that she was being sexually abused by her dad. Now, that's quite a hard thing to hear when you're a kid. 
you don't really know where to go with that. So uh, I just prayed for her. And I, and I felt, even at that age, I felt like I was meant to just be somebody she could talk to. I didn't feel like I was meant to do anything about it at that time. And actually, it was another girl who God used to actually speak to the teachers about it. I was that person that she had as like a confidant and someone to talk to. It was quite a burden to to carry. But um, the result of that was that, you know, it was all found out and they removed from the family home. And, it, you know, it was a horrible situation. But just those little promptings that leading when somebody needs it the most. Because maybe without that, she never would have told anybody and nothing would have happened. So, you know, that's something that I've got lots of examples of, but I really feel challenged. It's not enough because sometimes I just switch off completely. And, you know, when we get home, so we go, oh, I'm just switching off from everything. I've had a stressful day. I'm done. I'm switching off. And that's fine because the Lord understands. But in those rest times... When you need to be regenerated, you need to be brought back to life, if you like. That's when the Holy Spirit is just so wonderful and so gentle with us. And I think our switching off maybe needs to be just a little bit different. I, I, I'll often switch off and just watch utter nonsense on TV. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. But it's just staying attuned because the Holy Spirit might lead you into something else. Because he knows what you need in that moment more than you do. And that's what it means to just walk alongside. Um, inviting others into your journey and goals. That's what stops us from being stuck in, the, um, in one place. And then we won't get away with saying, well, I've left, but I haven't arrived as an excuse. Because you bring someone else in it. And this is what I teach my patients all the time who are trying to lose weight. is about accountability. Because if you don't have that, you don't have somebody who's in on the jet. It's very easy to just stay where you are. So bring other people in on it so they can be praying with you, so they can encourage you. You know, I've decided now if I pray for anybody up at the front, I'm going to follow that up now. I'm going to follow that up, see how, see how you're getting on, what's been happening with what the Lord said or what's the Lord doing. I think the, just the last thing I wanted to say was... Um, I was kind of asking the Lord, why is it that we often sit here week after week after week and we hear teaching, really good teaching, and yet we're so stuck? What is it that's happening in that process? And what the Lord said is that we're often getting stuck in a place of agreement. We can agree with what's being said. We can say that was a really challenging word. But we have to move from a place of agreement to a place of genuine progress. And I, I think that's really important that we realize. Don't just agree, but what, what are you going to do? What are we going to do with that? So I know what I'm going to do. I've got some sort of plans, if you like, because the Lord's spoken to me so strongly in these last few weeks looking at all of this about denying myself but I'm not putting a pressure on myself that I'm going to walk out of here and just have submitted absolutely everything to the Lord. The Lord knows me. The Lord loves me. He's asking me, take hold of my hand again and do not let go. And that's the invitation to everybody here this morning. Take hold of my hand. Do not let go. No matter what hindrances there seem to be, don't let go of my hand. Let the Holy Spirit in on it to, and 
direct your heart to God so he can give you the perspective on that thing that's stopping you. Because like Jimmy said from that, it might seem like something huge, but it often isn't. There are thought patterns, there are behaviors, there are things that we kind of get stuck into, but we need to work on the heart rather than external behaviors, which you can do for a while. You can change behaviors, you can try and read your Bible more and do these things from a behavioral point of view. But this is the heart, the whole heart being directed towards a loving God who's got your back, knows what what you're heading towards, knows what you need when you get there. He already knows what you need when you get there. He knows who you need to help you get there because that's the love that he has for us right now. So that's the encouragement this morning. Take hold of his hand. If you agree then make some conscious choices because agreement on its own is not enough. Amen. Um, just, there's just one last slide that I forgot about, but I just love this quote. D.L. Moody, let God have your life because he can do more with it than you can. Man, that is so true. There is a wealth of experience that he wants to take us into. And I don't believe... God's angry or disappointed about where we're at. I believe sometimes he feels grieved like any dad would if he can see the wonderful things he's prepared for you and you're missing it. You know, no dad wants to see that. And I think that's why he's just saying, take hold of my hand again and let, let, let's, let's carry on now. So if you, if you do want prayer this morning, I will happily pray. But I, I, I'm going to make that commitment that if I pray for you this morning... I'm going to follow it up. I'm going to see how you're doing because we, you start to create that accountability of where you're up to. And anyone else, if you're going to pray for anyone this morning, I'd encourage you to follow it up so that we can encourage each other and take those steps. Amen. Thank you. So if, if any-